This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business, financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock this evening. And what a lovely, bright, springy evening it is. The Easter holidays are in the air, but there's still business to be done before we crack open our Easter eggs and put our feet up over the weekend. This evening on the programme, today was a red-letter day for Tierlawn and for the Abbey Quarter in Kilkenny, with the official opening of Tierlawn's headquarters and collaboration hub by Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment Simon, Simon Coveney even. Tierlawn, formerly Glambia, Ireland, the companies emerging from the Avonmore Co-op are a business giant in this area employing over 2,000 people here and in the wider region. After today's launch, I sat down with Tierlawn CEO Jim Bergen to talk about how the business got to where it is today. New ways of working and doing business post-COVID, how agri-business can help address the climate emergency and what the company has planned for the future. Sarah McGree of The Wild Grazer will be joining me to talk about her COVID business startup and will talk to us about how she's feeling having scooped wait for this the cake designer of the year at the wedding online awards and we'll be talking starting a business with john mulcahy of kilkenny local enterprise office and business consultant dennis casey but first joining me on the line is laura slattery of the irish times good evening laura Evening, John. How are you? Quite a while since we chatted. A lot of water under the bridge. And one thing that's really emerged uh, since last I was talking to you on the radio is this chat GPT thing. I was talking to someone earlier today uh, about their business and they were saying they'd asked uh, chat GPT for advice effectively. Explain to people what this is and what difference it's going to make. Well, it's really incredible and we don't actually know what difference it's going to make just yet, but I think we can guess that it's going to be uh, fairly extensive, fairly uh, revolutionary. This actually only emerged just at the very end of November. Um, it came from a, a, a lab, an organization called OpenAI, a group of artificial intelligence experts in California. And they were essentially... Um, offering up out to the public a chance to use this chatbot, kind of a, a large language model is the phrase that's used. And it had a kind of an AI component where you could talk to it and it could learn from the prompts that you gave it. Now, it was a little bit ropey, I would say, in, in lots of respects at the start, and still is in many respects. It really depends on how you use it. Um, and there's also still quite a lot we don't know about what it can do, uh, you know, the extent to which what it tells you is real or just, you know, made up essentially by, by this AI. It's a super de duper kind of search thing that gives you kind of like essays in response rather than just a pile of, of links. If I'm yeah, correct. I mean, you, I mean, it's going to completely re- revolutionise uh, internet search. I mean, I think that's that's for starters. You know, Google and, and Apple and some of the other companies have, have really um, embraced it. But uh, Microsoft is actually the the company that that's financially backed Open AI. Um, yeah, I mean, you can say, you know, I think one of the early <laughs> experiments I played around with with this was I asked it to write about um, travelling on Ryanair in the style of 
uh, Stephen King. So it gave <laughs> a quite a possible um, impression of, of Stephen King. You know, it wasn't a, let's just say it wasn't the smoothest uh, Reiner flight in, yeah. in the history of Reiner flight. Um, another, another, you know, example, it, more recently, I've seen that the pop star Lily Allen asked it to write song lyrics about, you know, topical issues such as uh, Partygate in the UK and and so on. And it will, it will come back with some lyrics, you know, it, you know, if you ask it to um, imitate a particular type of structure of song, it will do that for you. Um, and uh, one of the <laughs> early, uh, shall we say, intrepid uses um, was by college students. You, you know, they'd have a deadline. It's an essay deadline. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? You've been up all night, maybe. I know. Um, maybe you've been, you know, working a part-time job to fund your degree. And uh, so you turn to ChatGPT and, uh, and put in the prompt and see what it comes back with. And what it comes back with might not be entirely 100% factual. Or it might be a, a B, but it might be a C, which might, might just get you through. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, I, you, it's happening with dizzying speed. You mentioned like last November, it's gone into daily parlance. Like I said, I unprompted uh, heard someone talking about it today and how they were using it uh, to give them ideas for business. Uh, Italy has banned it. Uh, there is a, a more serious side. I mean, there is the novelty bit of it, you know, Stephen King and Ryanair and all that kind of stuff. But there is a serious bit and it could really impact and even disrupt business. That's right. I mean, I mean, Italy has uh, data privacy concerns around it, and that was the reason it banned it. But its ban came right on top of an open letter published by a group called the Future of Life Institute that was signed by some big names in the technology world, in, in, including the Apple co-founder, Steve Wozniak, and, and even Elon Musk, you know, uh, not perhaps renowned for his um, ethical con- uh, <laughs> sense. Mm. Um, but everybody is a little bit worried that I suppose that even the researchers themselves don't necessarily know um, the extent of what they're doing here. Like how powerful is this? And they don't want things to go too far. Too so fast. Kind of a successor to ChatGPT called GPT-4 that's more advanced. And they're saying in this open letter that any more advanced versions of this should really be paused for at least six months just have a moratorium on this kind of um, investigation certainly don't sort of have this sort of ship now fix later approach that we sometimes see yeah because i mean if you were if generally if you're developing a, a, a drug it has to be approved by uh, pharmaceutical regulators if you're you know developing a motor car it has to be safety certified all of that sort of stuff yeah. but it just seems in the internet space you can just throw something out there and off you go. That's what's got the world into a bit of a state. And this yeah. is may accelerate it even more. It's the lack of transparency and it's the sense that it can con- contribute to misinformation. Just today, The Guardian said that somebody contacted it in relation to a, a Guardian article that ChatGPT told them about. But mm. when they investigated it, no such article existed. It just, it just, you know, it wasn't on their site in any capacity. It, it hadn't been written. So that's kind of scary. That that makes people think, you know, it has the a sort of intelligence to make things up effectively. It doesn't really have that moral um, distinction between yeah. learning from what's on the internet and just sort of <laughs> being a little bit too imaginative. Yes. On the other hand, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, lots of positive uses um, for AI and 
you know, IDA Ireland said this week that, you know, this is really should be a focus for upskilling in Ireland and across the world. Everyone's trying to do the same things. There's actually more than 100 courses in AI available in Ireland. At the wow. Moment. There's a new national master's in AI. This is a huge area of employment. So young people, you know, listen to this. If, if this is something that intrigues you, this is something perhaps there that's worth will be full of opportunities. Maybe it's yeah. the new data science uh, fad. Um, Laura, you are the media correspondent for the Irish Times. It's a while since we spoke. What are the big trends post-COVID in the media, and I suppose particularly in the area of print newspapers? Peter uh, van der Meersch, I think is his name, from uh, Media House, was uh, raising a few eyebrows around the place over the last while. Yeah, that's right. And Peter has been, uh, I think, very frank in, in what he sees as the prognosis for print newspapers. And this reflects what's happening uh, across the Media House group in, in, in Europe. And they're saying that really, you know, Monday to Friday, there isn't going to be too many print uh, newspapers by about 2030. Now, that date is instead of set in stone and in fact as you know people who work for media house in ireland in, including at the irish independence which is one of its big titles obviously um have been told to start preparing for a digital only future and that, so that could happen before mm. 2030 and it's 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 actually interesting because they're a company that has been using ai um quite effectively i understand for content recommendation so they're they are really really deep into the digital space and they don't longer have any printing presses in Ireland. They sold the last one up in Newry last year, and the Irish Times actually prints the Irish Independent uh, now. Wow. Um, but, but at the same time, it still sells a lot of newspapers on the weekend. You know, it's over 100,000 sales for the Irish Independent. The Sunday Independent still has a huge circulation as well, uh, as we understand it. Those <laughs> numbers aren't published regularly anymore. Yeah. But, you know, the, really, the, the future is people reading print newspapers on a weekend or maybe once a week. and Yeah, it's kind of changed because when you say you work for the yeah. Irish Times, it's 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 more than a newspaper now. You have podcasts, yeah. you name it. Yeah, I mean, everything is going multimedia and you have to be um, completely, um, bro- you know, broad spectrum in, in your approach. Platform neutral. To, yeah, it's very difficult to sort of run a business just on hard news anymore. You, you have to sort of... Um, you know, look to sort of lifestyle elements to bring in revenue. Even if you look at the New York Times, you know, it makes lots of money, lots of money out of its crosswords, yeah. its recipes and things uh, like that. It's mad. Well, Laura, um, I'd love to talk to you more about uh, Easter and so on, but unfortunately we've run out of time. So just to wish you uh, a happy Easter and look forward to talking to you on the bottom line again before too long. Thanks, John. Thanks. Uh, that's uh, Laura Slattery from the Irish Times there giving us her perspective. We'll have to uh, hear more about that chat GPT and maybe explore the positive uh, applications of it to business. As Laura said, just really bursting on the scene last um, uh, last November, but it's already making waves and uh, raising some concerns. We'll be back talking uh, to Jim Bergen uh, after the Tierlawn launch earlier today after these. KCLR, The Bottom Line, with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. 
Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. KCLR indeed, it's just 21 minutes and 15 seconds after 6 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 7 if you're on your way to the streets of Kilkenny Race this evening. Uh, have a lovely evening for it. Do drive safely and beware of traffic restrictions around the centre of Kilkenny City. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the programme and as you've been hearing throughout the day on KCLR, today was a big day for Tierlawn, the locally headquartered company formerly known as Glambia, Ireland. And then before that, Avonmore started off as a small local co-op but look at it now great event it was uh, you've heard Sue talking to Matt earlier on and Matt will be covering it uh, in detail on the farm programme later on but after the speech is concluded I sat down with Jim Bergen uh, the chief the chief executive of Tierlawn a company which employs over 2,000 people in this area and in the wider Glambia region I started by asking Jim to tell me about why today is so important for Tierlawn yeah, so John Tierlon is is a hundred percent farmer owned co op, but we're really only in existence since the first of April last year. Um, and for some time, we had been looking for uh, a location where we could pull maybe two hundred to two hundred and fifty people together uh, into one place where they can collaborate and share all their knowledge. Um, so, look, this is just a fantastic day to day for us. We're, we're delighted to be here in, in the Abbey Quarter, in the iconic brew house, uh, and in the centre of Kilkenny City. Um, and it's you know we, we have been linked with Kilkenny for. For, for many tens and tens and tens of years now. Um, so to pull this all together today and to, to you know to, to press the flesh with all the local hierarchy here as well in, in, in Kilkenny is great. And uh, you talked about just a little over a year in existence. The run-up, you know, you got it together during COVID and just before uh, the outbreak of that awful war in Ukraine, it must have been a roller coaster. It, it absolutely was, yeah. So, so um, uh, it was the largest acquisition that was carried out in 2022 uh, by an Irish company, 300 107 million um, and it started in the middle of, of 2021 uh, and finished on the 1st of April uh, 2022 so it was very very quick in terms of a, of a, a transaction uh, but there were uh, you know elements there where we had to to have an SGM uh, so we had a, a full afternoon's webinar and a vote of 4,600 farmers which was incredible to do it in, in, in virtuality um, and then we had to, to raise the finance so we had to raise a bond in the middle of January uh, 2022 um, and you know a month later uh, it was a Ukrainian war and it would have been much more difficult to do that so we were delighted with the timing at the time and and, uh, and to get it done but it was roller coaster, but incredibly enjoyable and our farmers gave us an 83% vote of support. Um, the world of work has changed so much during uh, COVID. Uh, this is your headquarters but you were keen to emphasise today it's a collaboration hub. Um, talk to us about how the world of work has changed and how you've uh, adapted around the, the putting together this building and this uh, headquarters yeah, so so one of the things that developed uh, through COVID for us was that that we took care of people very well, as I'm sure as many organisations did. But uh, our employees really appreciated the fact that we had become such a caring organisation. Um, and you know, community of of our workforce is very important to us. Uh, the recruits of the future, retaining the people that are here, is all down to having a, a really really good experience for them. Um, so we adapted 
very quickly to hybrid working. Uh, we sent home 420 people for their safety, all the administrative people on one day during COVID. The, the business continued as it was. In fact, I think our productivity was better uh, during during that time. Um, and we're very comfortable now with a hybrid working arrangement where our people are mainly in on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in this building. Monday and Friday is quieter, but we're happy with that and, and we're mandating that because, you know, there's traffic and time wasted traveling and all of that and, and people can have their quiet spaces and get stuff done. Um, so the building itself then, we were probably a bit fortunate in that we were able to, to design the building for the future of work. Um, so this building is, you know, it's a bank of offices. I'm uh, sorry, it's a bank of meeting rooms. There are very few offices. Uh, it's a bank of desks um, and collaboration facilities. So people can sit at their, their in, in, in open plan at their desk. If they want to make a private phone call, we have, have booths or kiosks for individual uh, and their, 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 their quiet uh, boxes. Um, and if people want to collaborate, there's 52 meeting rooms of various sizes with the newest of technology. So anybody that's coming in on Teams or Zoom, you know, are really part of the of the meetings as well. So it's 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 a wonderful experience. And you know, the payback for us is that we see happy people here, energetic, really benefit from being able to meet their friends and and, and work colleagues and get stuff done. You started in the what is now the bottom bar of the Hibernian. Um, Avonmore at the time was headquartered there. Um, it didn't have a gym. It didn't have a mothering room and so on. You've been quite innovative in the features you've incorporated. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, well, look at it, again. It's about people's welfare, and and also you know one of the issues that has emerged through COVID, apart from the physical uh, health aspect, is mental health. Um, so you know a reflection room is just somebody if they're if they're not feeling great or there's something getting to them that they can go and just have a quiet moment, uh, and and they're, they're not visible to anybody. So I think that's great. The other part of it is you know that we're in a, in a modern diverse world here, and we did have visitors from Azerbaijan recently, um, and they wanted to 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 go somewhere to say their prayers, and they were able to go into the reflection room and and uh, and do that. Um, we, we see a, a significant integration between people's personal lives and their work lives. And we say to all our people, um, come in as your whole self. That's really what this is about. So, for example, our mothering room is the same. We recognize, you know, the role that the mother plays. Uh, and we want to make sure that we have facilities here for people that, that uh, you know, at that point in their lives. Um, we have a newsroom that we didn't talk about today, which, you know, because the world changes so quickly now that we can have Sky or whatever. And, and that uh, if there's news uh, unraveling that we can, we, we, can, we can pick that up. And the gymnasium then is about people's uh, physical health. So people at lunchtime can go, go down there and do their training. Uh, they can go, go in after work or do, over the weekends. And the fantastic thing for me is that, that our our soup plant, uh, which was Kilken- known as Kilkenny Creamery, is just up the road here. And the guys come down at lunchtime or after work and use the gym. And it's just fantastic to see that because if people are fit and healthy, well, then, you know, they're happier and they work better. So, so it, it's good for all of us. This location is your quote-unquote headquarters, but you were keen to emphasize in your remarks uh, about the relationship with the different sites around yeah. the country. And you have over 2,000 employees. That kind of speaks to a new way of working and a new way of thinking about business as well. Talk to me about that. Yeah, and it, look, at in the old days, you know, you had the big head office and everybody was kind of fearful to go in there and it was all very well laid out. And, I, you know, I referred to, to, to kind of leather couches jovially this morning. But, you know, there was that kind of fear factor, oh God, I'm called into head office. Um, whereas, you know, it, I, I'm very, very uh, definite, you know, on, on the position here. This is, it, it has to be called the head office. Someone has to, to, to send formal letters to us and, and all of that. Uh, but beyond that, this is a facility for our people to be able to use. Um, and I'm happier. We, we have had some expos here actually in our atrium uh, of people from our factories. So we have a, a, a process called cost out value in uh, and people came from the factories to present their, their, their incredible, fantastic projects. And it was just like a, a rock concert. It was just fantastic, you know, that, 
that um, the buzz that was there, the enthusiasm, uh, the fact that people were so interested in what they were doing out in the factories and all that. So that's what we want. You know, we want a collective here, not a, a them and us or anything else in terms of people that are a bit remote from where we are here. And, and that's what makes a great community. One of the big challenges facing all businesses, sustainability and the climate uh, crisis. Um, Minister Coveney today, he's formerly a Minister for Agriculture. He's currently the Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment. He, he spoke about that uh, and in addressing what he said, you were very impressed uh, by uh, his approach to the big challenge of the environment. Tell us about that and, and why you were impressed. Well, first of all, uh, you know, I think the Minister is a very, very impressive man and, you know, and generally speaks with no notes on, on, on topics. So, he, you know, he's just an impressive speaker. But more importantly here, he was the Minister for Ag- Agriculture at a time when we were um, exiting the, the, the quota era uh, and he understands agriculture really well. Um, now, today, what he also expanded on was the role of co-ops uh, and the role of tier lawn as a, as a co-op in 16 counties with a 3.2 billion economic footprint, uh, which is enormous. Um, so he, he just gets it in terms of, of that story. Now, uh, the, the issue for, for agriculture in Ireland is that uh, we don't have a heavy manufacturing industry here like Germany. So our carbon footprint uh, is, is in the mid-30s as a percentage of the, of the total country. Uh, in Germany, it's 10%. Uh, and the, the challenge for farmers is that, that we already have a very low carbon footprint, for example, per litre of milk. It's less than, 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 than 1 kg. Um, so uh, lots of commentators and challengers, you know, say that farming is a problem. Uh, but we are one of the best farming uh, countries in the world. We completely accept that, that, that now we're in the age of sustainability, that there is an existential challenge um, and that we have to rise to that challenge. Uh, and we will do that. And individual farmers are doing that. Uh, but I think they need to be given a bit of space. Uh, and also, it's really important that they are seen as the people with the solutions. They mine the land on behalf of everybody else. Uh, and if, if the carbon footprint of our land, uh, either credit or debit, uh, is to be managed in the optimal fashion, it's our farmers are going to do it and they need huge support to do that. Finally, um, you talked about ambition being at the very heart of uh, Tier Lawn. Uh, you talked about how you've exceeded all your targets in the past of the various government um, strategies and so on. What horizons are opening out now? Uh, this is the start of a new era. Uh, what's top of the priority list. Yes, so um, we're moving from that phase of expansion where we expanded by 83% since 2015. We've invested huge money in our facilities uh, and now that's easing off. We we do have our our Kilkenny Cheese uh, facility, which is is the biggest investment in the history of the dairy industry. That's our partners, Royal Aware. But that's kind of the expansion story, if you like. So for us, uh, we won't have to spend as much capital on expansion. Uh, We will spend on sustainability. Uh, We will spend to support our farmers to transition to a more uh, diversified income uh, model on their on their farms um, and we now have the, the space and the headspace to concentrate on the technologies that we have in our products so we have you know the highest level of, of, of whey proteins, of milk proteins, we have great technology we invested 15 million in our R&D facility uh, two years ago we have 53 technologists outside in Ballyragget and we have great process engineers and great process people so our job now is to create more value uh, out of those ingredients and those technologies and out of our brands such as Abenmore and Gain, and Gain Feeds and out of our grains as well because uh, we have a very good plant-based uh, uh, product range now. So we're going to build on, on those great platforms now and take the opportunities to come and follow the trends that are there in the world. Jim, thanks very much. Best luck to everyone in Tierlon. Yeah, thank you, John. 
This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock this evening. Now, starting your own business is a thing that many people in employment do. And indeed, many people who are maybe not even in employment, people dream of starting their own business, maybe perhaps from their school days. But undertaking the start-up of a new business is not as simple as just putting your name over the door and starting off, uh, at least if your business is to be successful. And to that end, the local enterprise offices in Kilkenny and Carlow do regularly uh, organise start-your-own-business courses. And I'm delighted to be joined in studio by John Mulcahy, who's business advisor with Kilkenny Local Enterprise Office, who's going to tell us about a course that they've got coming up soon and also on the line by Dennis Casey from Casey Business Consulting one of the uh, trainers on the course who deals with financial planning and all that good stuff we're going to talk in detail with Dennis in a minute but John first tell us about uh, starting your own business ground zero someone has an idea what's the next thing to do Hi John uh, thanks for thanks for having us on today um, I suppose in terms of um, the, the, the local enterprise office um, there's a range of different supports that we offer uh, one of them would be uh, for people that have a business idea and they're looking at turning that um, business idea into a business um, so one of the, the first points of, of protocol would be to get in contact with us um, to speak with the business advisor and we can arrange a one-to-one session where we can talk through the, the business idea um, and one of our flagship programs would be our Start Your Own Business program. Um, so with the Start Your Own Business program it takes you through everything that you need to know in terms of setting up um, the business um, from identifying, understanding and researching the target market um, to looking at the registration of the business with the company registration office, looking at the, the legal entity, whether it's a sole trader or a limited company and the benefits of, of, of doing that. Um, it looks at things like taxation, insurance, um, business canvas model. So there's a range of different things that we will cover as part of the, the Start Your Own Business program. And what it really allows um, people to do is to have a structure on um, on, their, on their business idea and, and putting their business idea into into a 10-step a, a guide to starting your own business and looking at what, 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 what is needed in order to, to set up the business. So I suppose that is our function. We are conduit for government supports um, for all things small to medium enterprise. Um, so really, um, the best thing to do is to get in contact with us um, and we can talk it through with you and, and talk through the business idea and the, be- the best supports that are available from the local enterprise office. Dennis, I was amazed during COVID. Uh, it was apparently or could have been perceived as the worst ever time to start a business. But many people did start businesses during COVID and, and are continuing. Um, many people obviously started businesses during COVID that didn't continue. Um, you know, a lot of businesses that started start off fail. How would you, as someone who works with a range of businesses, particularly from the financial planning point of view, describe the current environment uh, for someone who wants to start a business uh, and maybe, you know, wondering about it? Is it a good environment to start a business? Yeah, yeah, I suppose um, there's, there's never the right time or there's never the wrong time. So it's just a matter of if you're going to, if you're planning to start a business, um, do a little bit of planning in advance. And what I mean by that is do some financial planning and work out the, work out things like your break even sales volume, 
and have a good understanding of the market you're targeting. So, like, when something like uh, COVID comes along or Brexit comes along as it did years ago, there's a shock to the established uh, marketplace. That almost invariably creates opportunities for people, for new businesses starting up. So the key is to spot, spot a gap in the market or an opportunity but then don't just don't just jump in. Do your talk to the local enterprise office, and you know, do do the do the start your own business program to get advice and support in terms of understanding how to assess whether now's the right time for the idea that you have. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, there's, there's important calculations like how to work out your break-even sales volume. So, if you're thinking of starting a, a coffee shop or, or a hair salon or whatever it is you're going to going to make and sell, you can work out actually fairly easily how many of that product you need to sell in a week or a day to cover your running costs, and that gets you to your break-even point or gets you to that vibe, that point where you're viable. And if you can suss out in the current environment. Uh, how big, how 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 many people there are for your coffee in your local area, and if you need to sell 100 cups of coffee a day, and the and there's 10,000 people who want a cup, who, who are potentially interested in buying a cup of coffee, you need a very small percentage of the target market to succeed. But mm. so please have an understanding of factors like that before you jump in. Yeah, so uh, grounded in realism. John, can I ask you about um, the state of mind people need? I've, I've interviewed loads and loads of people uh, who who talked about having you know a business idea, but they kind of said, I felt it was a bit mad. But then when they get a bit of affirmation or they discuss it with somebody, it kind of brings it into the realms of the possible or the impossible. You must come across that quite a bit with people who come into you with business ideas. Yeah, yeah, we would. Um, I suppose, you know, a lot of times a business idea can be um, you know, floating around someone's head for, for quite a while and, and to, to talk that through and to, uh, I suppose, just to speak about it and, and to get the affirmation um, from speaking with either a business advisor or with a mentor. I can really put that into into practice, you know, um, and even looking at things like, like looking at a business plan and putting it down into writing. You know, once it's once it's written down, it can be more measurable, um, and putting it into, into practice then from from the business plan. Um, and that's really what you know the the start your own business program, I suppose, in particular. It, it does lead on to having a a, a, a business plan or, um, or or the starting point of a business plan, really. You know, so um, I suppose just talking that through is is often um, something that needs to happen for for a business idea to become a reality. Um, and that's that's a support that we offer. Mm, uh, the bottom line is the key thing for any business. This program indeed is called the bottom line. Um, Dennis, you've discussed, you know, calculating margins and, and doing your projections and all that, but it's important that businesses keep their heads above water and are profitable. What goes into kind of um, determining the profitability of a business idea? Yeah, I suppose a uh, very good question. And like, interestingly enough, there's actually I think only four only four factors you can use to impact the bottom line or the or the, the the profitability of the company, and that's the prices you set. So the higher the price, the more profitable you're going to be. The cost to produce the product or the service that you're delivering. So if you can if you can reduce how how uh, the cost of materials that go into it by changing supplier, negotiating better, or using technology, you can reduce the cost to produce you're reducing your overheads that's a bit challenging these days but at, at, at minimum to control your overheads and prevent them increasing on you and the final one is, is selling more volume 
And interestingly, volume is probably, of those four factors, volume probably is the most powerful impact on that bottom line because you take it that as a, as a let's say, an established business that you your existing sales, is the, the gross profit generated by the existing sales is covering the running cost of the business. So now actually, if you sell a little bit more volume next week or next month, all of the gross profit from those extra sales is actually bottom line profit is net profit. Mm. Dennis Casey there, a business consultant, talking to me earlier on with John Mulcahy from Kilkenny Local Enterprise Office about starting a business and they've still got some places left on that uh, Start Your Own Business course. Check out uh, the Leo website uh, and Carlo Leo also offering uh, courses in Start Your Own Business and as somebody uh, who has started businesses in the past, I would recommend people to go on Start Your Own Business courses and that segues me nicely into our next guest who is Sarah McGree who's the founder and owner of The Wild Grazer. Sarah, welcome to the bottom line. Thanks so much. Thanks a million for having me in. Yeah, well, we were talking there uh, with um, John and with Dennis about starting a business. And I mentioned people who started business during COVID. You're one of those people. Tell us about the Wild Grazer. Yeah, I am. I suppose... um I was someone who kind of went into the, the what they were talking about with more the the planning side of it a little bit later. Mine was very much something that I started as a uh, gut feeling. Yeah, exactly. Something that just lit a fire inside me during COVID as a way to kind of give my days purpose and hopefully bring a little smile to my customers' faces as well. I call them the little uh, edible pieces of art that uh, I deliver to people's doors. Yeah. Now you're from Liz Downey, but uh, this time four or five years ago it's far from Liz Downey you were tell us about your uh, pre-wild grazer career yeah so I uh, moved to Chicago when I was 23 and was out there for two years I was working with a catering company they actually branded themselves as the elite caterers of the Midwest so they did a lot of high-end events Um, we did all of the presidential fundraisers for Hillary Clinton that must have been interesting very interesting the type of things that you'd only be in rooms like that at those kind of events like they're yeah spill the beans <laughs> um, well a lot of them they're at like really really affluent private homes so it's I suppose people individuals who do the fundraising campaigns for the the president well the presidential um Candidates. Yeah. So you're in just these like multi-million dollar homes, like serving food that's just absolutely outrageous, like caviar bars, oyster bars, like desserts that are dressed with 24 karat goals. Like it's just insane stuff. The- Doggy bags. <laughs> We're down in the kitchen. I will say I did try the gold. All right. Yeah. What's it like? The gold not tasteless, unfortunately. Oh my yeah. God, that, you put me right off. <laughs> um, but uh, seriously, a wedding brought you back to Ireland, I think. Tell us about that and at the stage that Ireland was in when you came mm. back. So, yeah, I well, I suppose I had kind of, I was toying with the idea after being away for nearly six years, even before COVID hit, I was toying with the idea of moving home. And at the time I was living and working in Toronto and I was working as a senior weddings uh, consultant. So obviously my job was gone as soon as COVID came. So uh, 
after about six months of being in Toronto, I kind of enjoyed the the downtime and being in lockdown in the the sunshine in Toronto as opposed to coming home. But when Ireland came out of lockdown in the summer of 2020, I moved home thinking very foolishly that it was pretty much over and that things were kind of going to go back to normal. I had a friend's wedding coming up. And yeah, little did I know, only a few weeks later, we'd be back in a very intense lockdown. Yeah, and I think that lockdown was the most intense. Hard to kind of cast your mind back. And so you were locked down with no job, Mm. presumably. Yeah. So the wild grazer was born. Tell us. That's it. Yeah. So it was, uh, I was back in my childhood bedroom in my parents' house, obviously having not been there in quite some time. So I was just looking for things to keep myself busy. Um, and I was actually on the phone to my friend and we we're kind of like brainstorming ways because she was a frontline worker. So she was her, fully occupied. She was fully occupied. Um, so we were kind of throwing things around and it was something that we had talked about before. And she was like, you need to just do it, do it. And by the end of the phone call, uh, I had fully decided that I was going for this and hell for leather and I'm kind of someone that's I'm either all in or I'm all out so that was a Sunday night and I launched the following Friday so I barely slept for about a week Okay well look we'll tease out the uh, exciting and somewhat sleepless beginning of the Wild Grazer and the subsequent adventures which have led to you getting a very prestigious award for uh, Best Wedding Cake at the uh, Weddings Online Awards earlier on. You're listening to The Bottom Line the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell. We're here until 7 o'clock. I'm joined in studio by Sarah McGree, who's the owner and founder of The Wild Grazer. We've whetted our appetite for her story just now. Do stay tuned and we'll be up with the main course just after these. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. Now, uh, before the break, we were talking to Sarah McGree of The Wild Grazer and we were in her uh, old bedroom, so to speak, and she had decided, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start it. It was a Sunday night. It launched the following Friday. Tell us about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of that week, Sarah. Yeah, so I think it was just all go, research, research, research. Um, I think I looked up every single Irish cheesemaker and got all of their contact details, reached out to every single one. I looked up every person in every company in Ireland that um, did sustainable packaging, registered the business, <laughs> lost a lot of sleep over what I was going to name it, um, eventually just woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, the wild grazer. I was like, that's it, that's it. And explain <laughs> the product. You do graze boxes. Tell us about a graze box. I've... Uh, been lucky enough to have grazed from a graze box yeah. but it they're lovely product, but tell people who mightn't be aware of them. Yeah, so I suppose it sounds fancy, but really what it is is cheese and cured meats. Um, and I started doing them in graze boxes, which were perfect for COVID because they were delivered right to your door. And it was just a really nice treat for people in a time that wasn't so nice. Um, and then as we moved out of lockdown, then I kind of started doing more weddings and events and stuff like that. So now I kind of specialize in more of the catering side of it, of doing large grazing displays, which which would be like, it could be a table, two tables, three tables for 100, 200 people um, and wedding cakes, which funny enough are not cake, but they're large wheels of cheese that are made to look like a cake and are kind of a unique alternative to the traditional wedding cake. Presumably this idea winged its way across the Atlantic from your yes. uh, elite dining in Chicago, yes. etc. I had seen this done um, many times at a lot of the weddings that I'd worked at and thought it was just such a cool idea. Um, and then when I came home and kind of started this, it 
it all kind of just fell into place really um, I don't think I'd love to say that when I started it I had the intention of bringing in the, the wedding cakes and all the rest but it just kind of all started to work out the further that I got into it Yeah when I was talking earlier with the, the guys from Leo about you know planning your business uh, and so on you've seen it it was a COVID business we're now mm. post-COVID you've had to change quite a lot talk oh, to me absolutely. about that Yeah so uh, there was definitely that period right when we started to come out of lockdowns you could see a real change in um I suppose the demand for the boxes people were finally able to get out they didn't need that anymore but in uh, contrast to that people were having people over a lot a lot more so I saw the need for kind of more home catering stuff I looked into ways of getting into the weddings and the wedding cake was a way that you're kind of guaranteed to be able to get in with weddings. Um, a lot of the time, hotels and stuff mightn't allow external foods come in, but they'll always allow a cake. So uh, that was my kind of, I suppose, little loophole in around through that. But it became something that I just absolutely love doing. And now I kind of really want to focus a lot on that because I enjoy doing them so much. Um, and then also I'm kind of doing a billboard workshops for hen parties and corporate and that kind of stuff. I'm so. sure you get some interesting graze boxes out of that. <laughs> themed uh, team boards I suppose is one way of putting it but yeah so as as we've kind of moved on and things have continuously kind of changed I've tried to adapt and keep up with how uh, everything is going mm. Just talk to us if people are interested in yeah I'm having people over at the weekend or I'm having a wedding how did they get in touch with you and what's the process of designing a bespoke cake made out of cheese? Yeah, so they can get in touch with me through my Instagram or through uh, email, which is just hello at the Um And then we can just chat about what they're thinking. I like to talk to all of my couples and see if they have a specific kind of vision and then we'll work together to make that come to life. Yeah. Um, and how have you found the journey, so to speak, since that Sunday night in your old bedroom? Um, a beautiful roller coaster. <laughs> a beautiful roller coaster. That's a great description. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this evening, uh, speaking to Sarah McGree and all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you'd like to get in touch with us, email The Bottom Line at kclaura96fm.com and you can listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line. Just search The Bottom Line on Casey Laura on Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thanks to all our guests this week, Laura Slattery, Jim Bergen, John Mulcahy, Dennis Casey and Sarah McGree. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced the show. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday just after the news. Thursday, I mean, just after the news at six with more stories for and about business. In the meantime, have yourself a happy and safe Easter. Keep it local where you can. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Stay tuned to Casey Lore and keep the faith. With John Purcell, The Bottom Line on KCLR. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business, financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie.